Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Greens Beauty Director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's episode, I have on Dr. Zion. I have come across her Instagram page and I fell in love with her content. And I thought she would be such an incredible guest to have on to talk about skin longevity and how we can take care of our skin better for the long term. And just to get some of her insights in general. So, Dr. Zion, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Well, I am so excited to have you here and hear some of your insights and just get to know you a little bit better. And in the interest of that, I always like to have my guests introduce themselves and their story. You know, how did you get into medicine? When did you decide and how did you decide that you wanted to become a doctor? I was first born in Seoul, South Korea and moved to America when I was 10. And I would say my interest in pursuing medicine started when I was six years old. Um, unfortunately, my dad was sick with colon cancer in his 30s. He's still living with us now, which is amazing. But really seeing firsthand the journey he went through with amazing doctors, including surgeons, gastroenterologists, oncologists, um, internists. Um, that all really help him to get to where he is today. That's ultimately what um, got me becoming a doctor. And so why internal medicine? And, you know, for for those of us lay people, what exactly does internal medicine mean? Yeah. And I get that question all the time because I think a lot of people, because of my channel, think that I'm a dermatologist. But I actually didn't know about internal medicine before going into medical school either. And internal medicine, the easiest way to think about it is Basically, you are a doctor for all organs, including the skin, but all organs minus um, OB. So I do not do, I do not do any OB or GYN, um, but I do women's health, so just not childbirth, and um, no pediatric care. And you know, initially, you know, my story into why I became a doctor, I went into medicine to become a surgeon. Um, to be exact, it would have been surgical oncologist to really help people like my dad. Um, the act of literally cutting the cancer out of patients, I thought was the best way I can help people and um, what I thought saved my dad. And so went through medical school thinking that's what I was going to do. And um, there was a moment during my clinical rotation in medical school that a light went off. And so many of these diseases like cancers, um, strokes, heart attacks, kidney disease, just to name a few, actually can be prevented. And so training in internal medicine allowed me to learn how to prevent and manage these chronic conditions with the goal of keeping my patients as healthy as possible and to really live their best life. And so that they will never have to get to the point of needing to see a surgeon or an oncologist. That's really cool. So you wanted to approach medicine from much more of this um, proactive place, it sounds like, right? Exactly. Yes. So, I mean, obviously you like skincare too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If you look at your social media page, it's pretty evident. um, And hence why I came across you and hence why you are here. So I'm curious why... 
why do you love skincare? You know, what's the interest there? Have you always loved beauty or is that something that is more recent? I'm yeah, I'd love to know. That's a great question. Um, I would say my passion for beauty has been there since I was a child, just a being, you know, growing up in Korea, I feel like your passion for skincare and beauty is higher than other places in the world. Um, and then having a mom who um, really was devoted to that. And, you know, she would be putting sunscreen on me every single morning, you know, before I even knew what that was. And, you know, just watching my mom really take the self-care, self-love to the next level, I think really, really, it's what I think drew me the beauty side um, of the medicine, like four years out of residency, my passion for preventative medicine was obviously growing and evolving and coming out of medical school and training. So much of my time was spent on, you know, how to treat and manage diseases, but really so little time was spent on how to achieve wellness. And really I was burning out. Like I was burning out towards the end of my residency. And that's quite common um, for those who are listening, who um, might be in this journey of becoming a physician or really any anyone in healthcare. And so my opinion, um, the only way to truly achieve wellness that I learned from my mom is to approach health holistically. And um, that's focusing on the whole person in all dimensions, whether that be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And I really believe that the beauty side of medicine can help address all of these dimensions of holistic wellness. Like, I don't know about you, Alex, but I utilize my skincare routine time as like a kind of a time for meditation to say, um, yeah, and it has like a profound impact on my mental and emotional wellness um, while I'm providing myself with, you know, self-care and self-love um, through, from all the hard days work. Totally. It's also just a, you know, beauty can be a useful tool to just check in on how you're feeling in general. At the end of the, every day, you know, you you have your bathing rituals or your face washing rituals or whatever it is. And throughout the day, we just, you know, we, we keep on going and we go, 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 go. And it's truly the only time that you stop and you check in with your body. If you view beauty like that, it really can be this incredible tool for wellness and health. Yes, you said it right. That's exactly the way I think about beauty. Yep. So I think that you probably offer a very unique perspective on skin health and beauty in general, given the fact that you are in internal medicine. You obviously have this love of skincare, but you take it from a very unique approach. And I want to ask you, you know, what do you think your background offers you in terms of a new perspective compared to other experts in the field, like say dermatologists or estheticians, et cetera. Cause you know, that's typically who we tend to think of as experts in the beauty space, but you know, you yourself have are certainly one as well. So what sort of perspectives do you think that your background is able to offer you here? I love that question. Um, you know, when it comes to dermatological conditions, you know, as an internist, I definitely know my limits. And so, you know, I, de I defer to my colleagues when it comes to recognizing precancerous skin lesions, treatment of rare rashes, um, 
removal of cancers, et cetera. But with that being said, I think one of the most exciting and humbling part of medicine, really as a physician in general, is that every day we are learning something new. And so the training I received in medical school and then as an internal medicine physician was unique in that I would say I was trained by so many different specialists, right? Um, The nephrologists, which are kidney doctors, cardiologists, which are heart doctors, neurologists, um, brain doctors, dermatologists too, endocrinologists, which are hormone doctors, rheumatologists, gastroenterologists. So you spend all your three years with all of these different specialists so that I have an understanding of how all of these organs work together in your body and how are they all interconnected. And so I feel like ultimately my training equipped me to be a critical thinker who is able to think outside the box to solve problems. That's really fascinating. And I do think sometimes it does take outside the box thinking when it comes to skin, because skin is such a complex organ that is affected by so much and, you know, affects so much. So, you know, certainly I can understand why that would be a helpful perspective to have. I want to ask, what is your beauty philosophy? My philosophy on beauty, I would say my philosophy on beauty would be same as my philosophy on wellness in general. And so um, to approach it holistically, you know, in the same way that I argue that skin is the window to our overall health, you know, beauty is a summation of our, you know, energy, our mood, our glow, I say, Um, you know, the holistic beauty isn't achieved easily, like a lot of the shortcut things that we see these days, like cosmetic surgery, or injections, elaborate makeup, or even like a 10-step skincare routine. The only way I, I, I truly believe that you can achieve holistic beauty is a lifestyle and a mental attitude that can only be achieved through healthy habits like um, balanced diet, hydration, exercise, but even more importantly, a calm mind and connections with others. And so I think it's, um, we, look, we need to learn to recognize true holistic beauty. And I think that's when a culture, you know, as a culture, we can value our collective uniqueness. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that you are from South Korea originally, and I, and you mentioned that it certainly impacted your relationship with beauty. And I know so much of the beauty industry is fueled by the innovation uh, that comes out from South Korea and the beauty brands. And so, you know, I'm curious, I want to know more about the ways in which that made you more appreciative of skincare in general, because I, I always love hearing people's backstories and how they found this relationship with beauty. You know, do you have any specific moments from growing up that, you know, you can kind of think of, you know, when I think about just kind of how we approach beauty in Korea, it is so different from how we approach beauty in the state side. And, you know, the way I think about it, I think the easiest way to make the differentiation would be that Koreans practice proactive beauty versus Americans. Um, we we like to practice reactive beauty, and what I mean by that is Koreans, we we tend to 
really value the topics that are not so sexy here in America, skin barrier, skin microbiome, keeping your skin healthy and things. And so, you know, some protection is big because it's all about prevention, preventing the pigmentation, preventing um, premature aging and sorts. And I feel like um, in the state side, we're doing a lot of reactive beauty. And so we've done this, we've done the tanning bed. So now we're going to do a lot of things to try to reverse that, or we're going to, we're going to try to, you know, we did some lifestyle habits that didn't go so right with our skin. And so we need to undo this and, you know, having been born in Korea, but then really raised here in the state side, I've seen both how I, I've practiced both reactive and proactive beauty. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, um, but that is that is a difference that I've noticed that I'm trying to go more towards the proactive beauty, um, but it's harder, <laughs> it's easier said than done. Yeah. No, it definitely is. It's really hard to think in the moment of like, oh, I really need to be doing X, Y, Z because... The me in 10 years will thank me today because of it. And it's, <laughs> it's not always easy. You said some of my favorite buzzwords though, which is skin microbiome and skin barrier. So I, I will absolutely be digging into some of those throughout this conversation because those happen to be some of my favorite things to talk about. So, you know, why don't we just go ahead and jump into it? Let's get to it. Uh, skin health and longevity. I think that that is what's on people's minds a lot, especially as we enter the new year. You know, I, I think people view the new year as a time of uh, renewal and refresh. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a new year, new you approach anymore, but I still do think that idea of, you know, giving yourself the chance to reevaluate your routine certainly still exists. And I think a lot of people at this time do, you know, they re uh, they reinvest in their skincare routine and they reinvest in some of these proactive steps that we've been talking about. So I, I want to get into some with you. Um, let's talk about some like underrated daily steps that people can take that can help them in the long run. You know, I think these daily steps are the backbone to a proactive skincare routine. What sort of advice do you give folks? So steps that I wish that people um, would make about to get healthy skin. So for me, that looks like, I mean, I have to say some protection here. Um, I know that that is a topic that I hone in all the time on my channels, but I'm really surprised to this day um, to my patients, I would say, when I ask if they're using daily sunscreen, that majority are not. And so I'm going to take the time here to say how important sun protection really is. It needs to be a daily step, no matter, you know, if you're going to be outdoors, indoors, if it's if it's snowing outside, um, if it's gloomy outside, raining, does not matter. Sun protection needs to be a daily step and really even reapplication. Um, for example, I think a step that a lot of people forget, I would say, if you are good about sunscreen in the morning, is that that sunscreen is not working so well by the time you're done with work, right? and you have that commute, whether that be 10 minutes or an hour back home. And that's a cumulative time that's going to add up 
to cause premature aging and pigmentation and all the things that we would consider as skin concern. Um, and so sun protection, I would say, is a very much underrated daily step that needs to be taken seriously. Um, I, I don't think this is a daily step that's for skin health per se, but I would say a skin hack that really was a game changer for me is using a hydrating serum um, right, right after you're done showering or actually even using it in the shower. Um, yeah, and it sounds really weird, but I in my shower, you'll always see a serum there. Um, <laughs> So and you just like turn I, off the shower and you're immediately like, get it on my face. <laughs> yes. Or sometimes I will, I'll be taking the shower and if it's the day that I'm shaving and I'm going to be in there for a while, I will put that layer of hydration on. And people who are oily are probably like, I can't believe she's doing that. And I, I get that because I used to be oily and then, you know, Coming into my mid 20s and late 20s, and definitely my 30s, I am extremely dry. Like, I've seen the change. And, um, you know, when I feel, yes. And I feel like what people don't um, really connect is that dry skin can cause premature aging. Um, and so that hack has been a game changer. Um, you can also do sheet masking in the shower as well. I do that oh, that's fun. often and you can use the heat from the shower as, you know, like a steam um, and, and it feels amazing and your skin loves it. Okay. I love that SPF and then, you know, multitasking in the shower for hydration. Certainly some things that I, I can get behind. Those get my stamp of approval. I also want to ask about on the flip side of this, what are some common habits that people have that could be leading to damage, you know, uh, premature aging, these sort of habits that uh, accumulate over time and, uh, you know, they they lead to something bigger down the road. Many studies are coming out now that um, blue light from our electronic devices and even infrared light can worsen our pigmentation and cause premature aging. So all that screen time that we're doing may be doing more damage than we think. You say this on, as you as I'm staring into the screen right now. <laughs> exactly. But are you wearing sunscreen though? <laughs> I am wearing sunscreen. So that helps. Perfect. That okay. helps. And what you want to do is look for a sunscreen that also contains iron oxide. So if you ever use a tinted sunscreen, usually those tinted sunscreens will have iron oxide in them and your foundation. So if you wear makeup, your foundation has that too. So that's somewhat protective as well. I talk about this quite often on my channel as well, sleeping on your side. Um, if you're a side sleeper, I mean, you, you can just, I mean, you, you can, I, I guess that you can't see me, but um, if you, when you're sleeping on your side, you're creating these horizontal wrinkles and um, they can be permanent and they actually, we can't Botox those. Those are different kind of wrinkles compared to your expression lines. And so once they're there, um, it's going to be there. No, I'm, I'm also a side and stomach sleeper, which I feel like stomach sleepers are even worse. 
Me too. And it's really a hard, um, it's a hard habit to break. I, I still sleep on my side and I am preaching this. So, um, but if you can try to sleep on your back. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some topicals and some ingredients that we love. I think so often we hear, um, when it comes to uh, healthy skin aging, uh, you know, there's a lot of like big buzzy ingredients that pop up from time to time. And certainly those are tried and true. But I also know that there's a lot of fun, more interesting one or not more interesting, but there's a lot of fun buzzier ones that pop up as well. So, you know, I'm curious, what are some of your favorite things to recommend from the classics to, you know, the, the new ones that are piquing your interest? So when it comes to classics, for topical ingredients, um, I gotta give the trophy to L-ascorbic acid. Huge fan of um, that particular vitamin C. It's a strong antioxidant. I think everyone should be on a vitamin C. Another one I think that is a little bit more underrated, but really coming along would be something like Sika. So Centella Asiatica, and that has been huge here in the state side, but also in Korea. and. Another ingredient I do want to mention on here, I just got back from Korea. I was there for three weeks. It was amazing. I forgot that red ginseng is so big there in Korea. You know, it's been around for hundreds of years there, but um, it is just kind of making its way into the stateside. And it's a well-known superfood. So a lot of people may think about it being something that we consume. And it has great properties for immunity. I think that's the big one that people know about. And it's anti-inflammatory, antioxidant properties. There's a good amount of research that's been done um, that shows benefits for topical use. Just like vitamin C, like I said, it's a, it's a great antioxidant. Um, can also help with UV protection. Um, some of the questions I get about red ginseng is if it could replace your sunscreen and it cannot replace your sunscreen, but it, it does give you, um, some UV protection, which is always a good thing. Um, collagen stimulation, improving roughness, um, skin elasticity, regulating skin barrier does the whole shebang. And I'm really excited to see this ingredient come around here in the stateside. I love that. I also feel like the pipeline from superfood that you, you know, fold into your diet to superfood that you apply to your face pipeline is very real. So <laughs> I can certainly see this having a moment. It's, you know, uh, it, it will only be a matter of time before we're all, you know, slathering it all over our faces as well as making sure, you know, we consume. I love that. So vitamin C, L-ascorbic acid, red ginseng, we love that. Is there anything that comes to mind? What about like hydrators? I'm always so curious about, you know, what, what sort of ingredients I should be looking for in a good face moisturizer. Oh, for sure. So the words you want to look for, hyaluronic acid, so HA, um, it's big. Ceramides, it's big. Um, cholesterol, fatty acids. So really what you're looking for in a product is what forms your skin barrier, right? So your skin barrier is made up of fatty acids, cholesterol, ceramides, and hyaluronic acid. And what you're trying to do is replenish them and making sure that they are well protected. And so those are um, the ingredients to look for. And um, I think that is that is one of the 
very important ingredients. I'm glad you mentioned it. Like I said, not as sexy, but <laughs> super important. No, I completely agree. You also mentioned skin microbiome earlier. So I want to take a little moment to ask about that here. Uh, you know, while we're on the topic of topicals and, you know, taking care of your skin in this way, what, uh, you know, what is the importance of the skin microbiome in terms of healthy aging and, you know, skin longevity and this premature uh, or proactive approach to aging that we're, that we're discussing? Yeah. So the idea of skin microbiome, I would say, is a new one. And I'm really excited to see it um, kind of come, come, come alive. So basically, your skin is an ecosystem to billions of bacteria, viruses, and fungi. It's a little gross to think about, but I mean, it, it's there. And this happy hemostasis of them living together is going to give you healthy skin, right? And so when this ecosystem is disrupted, you can argue that that is when you can have those um, redness, itch, itchiness, dryness, new breakouts and things like that. And so making sure that your skin micro, microbiome stays healthy um, and happy is really key to having healthy, healthy skin. And then, you know, when, when people are actively looking to balance this microbiome, is it, you know, is it things that you can be doing or is it more like life? like habits that you shouldn't be doing, you know, like what sort of things should we be thinking about with the microbiome? And I asked this question knowing that the research is in its infancy still. So I know that we don't really have the full picture yet, but, you know, I'm curious, you know, how do you approach it? So I think the best way to, the way I have been approaching it is first of all, using products um, where I am trying to look at the pH of the product. So um, trying to match the pH of my skin, which is around 5.5. And so a lot of your serums, especially some of the ones that we talked about, like L-ascorbic acid, it's going to be more acidic. And that's going to be okay, but you, you're going to have to realize that, you know, you may build some sensitivity to that skincare product versus um, more alkaline products that have a higher pH, um, which can also do damage and sensitivity as well. And so I think paying attention to pH of your skincare product is, a, is very important and balancing it when your skin seems to be angry at you. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. <laughs> Another approach is um, I like to actually start using skincare products with postbiotics, prebiotics in my skincare. I think you said it right. It's in its infancy. There's a lot more for us to learn, um, but I do believe in it. I, I think giving your um, ecosystem of bacteria, viruses, fungi, what it needs to um, be healthy and live um, together happily I think that's only a good thing. So I'm excited to see the more the science that's going to come out of this. I am too. It's uh, I think it's really interesting. I, I find it to be such a fascinating uh, area of development in skincare. So thank you for illuminating us on how to take care of it and also all of your other topical recommendations. Um, certainly, I feel like I'm going to be looking for serums with red ginseng in it uh, in the coming weeks. 
Oh, yeah. I actually have some recommendation if you would like. Okay. Well, yeah, I love product recommendations. So please. I um, picked up some while I was in Korea. The ones that are really popular right now, the one I wanted to mention was Dongimbi's Red Ginseng Daily Defense. Um, that has been my go-to for like, I would say skin barrier. If we're talking protecting your skin, it's serum that is going to help protect your skin from all your environmental aggressors throughout the day. That serum does the job. Okay. Amazing. I'm going to have to get my hands on a bottle. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about lifestyle and how the choices that you make every day can influence the health of your skin over time. You know, I I really think the point of this podcast, that this episode that we're having here today is really about these proactive steps that we can take. Um, And since you work in internal medicine, like you have such a thoughtful and unique uh, perspective coming to this conversation. And so I am, you know, I'm sure that lifestyle does influence a lot of the uh, the way that you talk about skincare. So what are some of the key and most important um, factors to consider with skin health? You know, is it things like sleep or diet or, you know, m- movement, um, uh, breath work? I- I'm just naming things at this point, but you know, what, what do you focus on the most? Yeah, so you actually named them all. And I think it's really important that um, I love the point that you made about the skin and the lifestyle habits, because oftentimes when patients come to me with um, whether it be acne or a rosacea or a skin condition, it's often a, um, I have this condition and I want you to prescribe me a medication that will get rid of it, right? But it's not that simple because like I said before, you know, all your organs are interconnected. It's a multi-level organ system and your skin is just part of that. And so what you put in your body um, and your lifestyle changes, it's going to, it's, it's going to come out in your skin. And so exactly all those things you said, I would say exercise is very important. A healthy diet is very important and dependent on the skin condition that you um, are currently, uh, if if you have a skin condition that you were hoping to resolve, that diet could change. Um, And then definitely good sleep. I think sleep is very much underrated when we think about good sleep. I mean, good, good skin. Well, I completely agree. I think the sleep component is such a big part of this conversation. And I feel like we're all so bad at getting it. <laughs> exactly. How do you help patients uh, with their sleep practices? Or just, you know, what do even you do for yourself? So a good sleep hygiene starts with um, a good, just a good routine, I would say, um, prior about three hours prior to your sleep. And so letting your brain know that um, you are going to be shutting down in the next few hours. And so um, dimming the lights, um, very important to let your let your brain know that it's time to go to sleep soon. Um, I think the biggest it's the biggest hurdle with my patients at least is screen time. And so you know, all that blue light um, can keep you awake. And so people who are watching TV or um, 
on their phones right before going to sleep. Uh, we always try to say at least 30 minutes to an hour, um, having that turned off. And another thing I always also tell my patients is that um, bed is for sleep and sex only. So a good uh, practice to think about is if you're actually on your bed because it's time to go to sleep, but you can't go to sleep, it's important to get out of your bed and um, you know do things, whether that be going back to the sofa or going to somewhere else that's not your bed and not forming this um, relationship with your bed that you are unable to go to sleep um, when you're on your bed, because that can be a vicious cycle in itself. And so, um, yeah, those are some of the tips that I give my patients. I love that. I love that idea of like, if you can't fall asleep, remove yourself from the bed, like go sit somewhere else. I feel like that is that is not what I do. I definitely will just like toss and turn and toss and turn. So, you know, maybe this will be inspiration for me to get out of bed and just be like, you know, go sit on the couch for a while, tire yourself down. (laughs) Exactly. Easier said than done. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's worth a try. It's worth a try get myself to sleep better. Okay. So I, I want to ask some things about kind of the beauty industry writ large. What are some trends that you foresee on the horizon? You know, we talked about some buzzy ingredients here and there, and we talked about, you know, some, some more of like the skincare trends, but I guess, you know, I, I asked this question of just like trends broadly, you know, is there, is there anything that you're seeing when you talk with folks that you, that you think might be kind of up and coming in the space? The one that's coming into mind, I would say, is it's kind of happened on the state side, but I think to your surprise, it's actually coming. It's it's happening in Korea, which was what was shocking to me. It's the minimalist. Um, it's the minimalist vibe with the skincare. Less is more. Um, you know, Koreans are famous for their extravagant ten step skincare routine. And it's not that everyone's moving away from that or abandoning a multi-step routine, but I do feel like um, that was a surprise to me having gone to Korea that I was seeing that trend also starting in Korea as well. Um, And I I think that's important to um, think because I do think to a certain degree, less is more, um, especially if you are practicing reactive um, skincare where uh, your skin is angry at you and you are trying to do everything you can to rebuild that skin barrier. Um, I I do think less is more. And I I love that that is starting to happen even in the Korea space as well. And with that, what I've seen in the new products that are coming out is this idea of multi-use products. So, um, you know, when you started seeing products, there are uh, toners, essence, um, emulsion, and then all these different things that kind of sound the same. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to use all these and different layering? And um, we're starting to see more a product that does many different things, which makes that minimalistic skincare routine easier. Very cool. I definitely am seeing um, much more multi-use products as well. And um, 
I, I definitely feel like that is certainly the move in the beauty industry that's happening right now. And I think I think it's a good step forward. I think multi-use is beneficial for a lot of things, including, you know, from a sustainability standpoint, you know, the more that we can edit our routines down, ideally, like, you know, the, the better we can uh, be about our product consumption. Um, so I, I definitely think that's spot on. I for sure see like a lot of that in the industry as well coming bubbling up. Okay, I have a fun question. And it's a new question that I've started asking people. What is your beauty hot take? I would say don't believe everything you see online. <laughs> and that's, that's because of what I have seen online and what really got me on the platform um, is to debunk some of the things that I was seeing online and just horrified. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be my beauty hot take. All right. I think that's a pretty valid hot take. <laughs> Okay, now we get to the section of our podcast, the last section, but uh, the section where we talk about what you are using right now. Um, I like to start this conversation by talking about your beauty routine. Uh, what are your go-to skincare products at the moment? So this, I'm trying to think my morning, my morning routine today. Um, washed my face with water, actually did not use a cleanser. I've been doing that for some time now where I don't use a cleanser in the morning unless I used a heavy, uh, like a night mask or um, a retinoid at nighttime. Um, so didn't use a cleanser, but if I did use a cleanser, um, the one that I've been really loving, I did use the Elemis Balm for the cleansing balm. And then I've been using um, the Revision Skincare, the Gentle Cleanser, which comes in this huge pump, which has been amazing. And then another product that I've been loving is the Innisfree Green Tea Toner. Picked that up while I was in Korea. And I think green tea is another one of those ingredients um, in that pipeline that we talked about. Um, and so love that. Um, I've used the Dongingbi Red Ginseng Daily Defense this morning as well as, as my serum. And I used the balm that I got in Korea um, that was really, really popular. You might have heard of it. It's the Kai balm or... Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> not sure what I think about it. Have you used it? I, I, you know, I haven't, but people's opinions on it are kind of like hit and miss. Like some people... Are obsessed with it and then some people i hear similar reactions as you is maybe it's not for me yeah yeah i think i maybe expected so much because of the hype and i was just a little disappointed but still using it um so use that under my eyes and then oh i i picked up this moisturizer while i was in korea as well it's the real barrier moisturizer um and uh, that contains a lot of the ingredients that we just talked about for hydration, like hyaluronic acid, ceramides, cholesterol, fatty acids, and things. And so great for someone who is trying to repair their barrier or keep their barrier healthy. Um, so love that moisturizer. And then my go-to sunscreen, which has been it for about two, three years now, it's the Dermatology Tinted Sunscreen. 
I think that makes up kind of what I put on my face today. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a pretty good routine. Let's see. Let's talk about your well-being routine in general. Um, I asked this question because we believe everything is skincare here. And I, I think you would probably also uh, believe that as well from what I can, from, you know, what your, the opinions that you have shared throughout this podcast. So let's walk through some of your well-being must-haves. Um, you know, what, what are core parts of your, uh, you know, nutrition or, you know, what workouts do you like, or how do you practice stress management? You know, what, what are the core things that you have to do? Um, so I think for stress management, which is, I think, key for me because I, I get easily stressed, um, I say all these things that you, one should be doing, but, you know, I, I'm maybe not doing them correctly. And so for stress management, my biggest thing, other than, you know, the skincare um, routine that I do, I do that religiously. And it is truly one of um, the biggest ways that I manage stress um, is actually meditation and um and yoga slash Pilates. And so I rarely do hardcore cardio anymore. I think that is very important, but it's just been hard to get that in my schedule. But yoga and Pilates, I have continued um, because it really, it keeps my head straight. I don't know how else to say it. It's, it relieves my tension. Um, I'm, I'm just a better person coming out. <laughs> I completely agree. I I notice a difference in how I interact with the world around me on <laughs> on the weeks that I'm not good at getting to the yoga class. <laughs> yes, that's the best way to say it. For nutrition, I, I think for me, um, the biggest has been uh, low carb. So um, I've been trying to stay on a low carb diet for a while. Another thing that I have been doing um, since I read an article on New, Journal, New England Journal of Medicine, which is our nerdy um, internal medicine people's journal, um, is intermittent fasting. So I have been practicing that, um, not for weight loss or sorts, but um, for uh, to prevent insulin resistance and diabetes and fatty liver. So keeping my liver healthy and things. And there's some good studies coming out for that as well. So I practice intermittent, intermittent fasting just once or twice a week, um, along with low carb diet. And for sleep, um, I do take melatonin at nighttime. I'm a big believer in melatonin, although, um, you know, I, I know that it doesn't work for everybody, um, but I do take that supplement at night along with magnesium oxide. That's a big thing that I started um, to help me with sleep and uh, gut health as well. And um, an eye mask at night. I always do an eye mask before I go to bed. You do all of the things. I mean... <laughs> You were naming off uh, intermittent fasting, supplements, yoga. You're uh, <laughs> you're checking all the boxes. <laughs> trying to. <laughs> no, I get it. Trying is the keyword. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm right there with you. Uh, trying is the best we can do. But listen, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Zion. This was so great. Thank you so much for you know sharing some of your advice. And you know, I loved learning more about your approach to skin health and medicine. And uh, you know, I just I loved having you on to talk about how people can better take care of themselves and their skin, uh, you know, as we start this new year. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at MindBuddyGreen, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com, follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.